0: Just
1: shame, shame, shame Could be anywhere in America today, I think Well, I don't know why I came here tonight That's why I got a feeling that something right Nothing. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me die to the right here i am stuck in the middle with you stuck from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast at 106.7 Queso in Cottage Grove in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 93 FM WLRI, in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU in Maui, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM, in Palenville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP, in Bellingham, Washington on KZAX 94.9 FM, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Chilly Minnesota, I should add. Also streaming coast to coast and around the globe on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. Thank you for joining us for another thrilling, action packed episode that we call the Bradcast. My thanks to Nicole Sandler of NicoleSandler.com for filling uh, filling in for us on the last thrilling episode. Great to have Nicole back, uh, guest hosting. And uh, looking forward to hearing more from her as well in the future. Uh, Breaking news today, of course, you may have already heard the Russian ambassador to Turkey was assassinated by a jihadist at an official event at an art gallery. And a truck has rammed into a Christmas market in Berlin. Uh, One that I remember being at, actually, some decades ago, uh, back in the mid-80s, and uh, a guy actually pulled out a gun. There was uh, riots and panics even back then. Uh, Today, sadly, nine were killed, um, and that number is likely to rise. Uh, Nine, as of going to air here, and details on the cause, whether it was an accident or an act of terrorism, is not yet known at this hour. A lot of coverage of that uh, taking away from coverage of what was, uh, well, thought to perhaps maybe been some protests and protest votes at the Electoral College, which voted today to make it official that Donald Trump will be the next president of these United States. Anti-Trump protesters did gather Uh, At state houses around the country, thousands of them holding signs asking electors to vote for anyone but Trump and to send the final decision instead on the presidency to the U.S. House of Representatives. That after weeks of sending petitions and emails and letters to Trump electors hoping to encourage them to switch their vote, either to Hillary Clinton or perhaps a uh, slightly more realistically, a compromised Republican candidate such as Ohio's Governor John Kasich, Anti-Trump protesters uh, were were gathering outside state houses, holding signs. Uh, but instead, it looks like the last word went to the electors who voted by and large as they were expected to for Donald Trump in uh, in most cases for Hillary Clinton in many uh, in most of the rest. One elector, a Stark County state rep, Christina Hagen, had resigned on Sunday night after a Cleveland law firm had sued her, saying she could not serve as both a state representative and an elector, as that would be a violation of Ohio's Constitution, barring people from holding dual public offices. The office of elector is considered to be a public office in Ohio. Uh, Hagen blamed, quote, pure political bullying and said she resigned, however, out of respect for this process so the Electoral College could uh, meet and could continue undisturbed. There were just two Trump po- protest votes so far in the Electoral College is actually still going on in sort of a wave across the country as we go to air right now. Uh, there were two Trump Uh, Protest votes in in Texas. We knew that one of the uh, electors in Texas, Chris Supran, had planned to vote against Trump. Now there was a second one as well, just as we go to air, one who apparently voted for Ohio uh, Republican, Ohio Governor John Kasich, another who voted for Ron Paul. Haven't heard his name in a while. There were four faithless electors apparently recorded in Washington state, according to. um, The website 270 to win. The Washington Secretary of State is reporting four so-called faithless electors in uh, in today's balloting with eight votes going to Hillary Clinton, uh, who won the popular vote there. The Secretary of State of Washington uh, making that announcement on Twitter, actually, that uh, let's see, three of the faithless electors in Washington state voted for former Secretary of State Colin Powell. And one voted for Faith Spotted Eagle, who is uh, apparently a Native American advocate, uh, activist. Um, There were uh, there have been other attempts today at electors voting other than pledged but those are the first ones that were allowed to vote other than pledged. Michael Baca, former U.S. Marine and a Democratic elector from Colorado that we spoke to on this show late last week, he was reportedly replaced by an alternate just at the last minute, just prior to the vote. He had told us that he was planning to vote for a compromise uh, Republican candidate in order to encourage other Trump electors to do the same, but that plan does not seem to have come to fruition he said he would not vote for Hillary Clinton and uh incredibly told us that he thought that the, that the ballots would already be printed, already filled in for Hillary Clinton, leaving him no choice, begging the question of what's really the purpose of the Electoral College. Um So whatever happened there, again, not long before air, uh, he was removed, replaced with an alternate who... I guess went and uh, put the pre-printed Hillary Clinton ballot into the box as instructed in Colorado. So with that, it appears that the Electoral College has now, in fact, voted for Donald Trump to become the 45th president of the United States, as most had expected today, with Trump receiving uh, the votes of at least 270 electors. That's a majority of the 538-member Electoral College if those electors... Uh, And those states, uh, those state results are, in fact, accepted, certified by the U.S. Congress, as expected Uh, when they are read aloud on January 6th by President of the Senate, Vice President Joe Biden. Then Donald Trump will officially become the president elect of the United States. He is not that yet. It has not been made official. That will be January 6th. Uh, okay, uh, i got two guests standing by today. Uh, you know, we talk about not just the horse race; we talk about the track conditions of the horse race. And I often warn that it takes a it takes a while to figure out what the hell actually went on in the election: were the results counted accurately or not? And the same is true when it comes to recounts, as we had these aborted recounts uh, in in Pennsylvania and in Michigan. Uh, And a sort of statewide recount in Wisconsin. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But with all of the concerns about the election results, about hacking, about being able to oversee the results and make sure that they were actually accurate, given uh, how close they were. Remember, less than 80,000, about 74,000 votes in Michigan, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin Uh, made the difference. That's about two votes in each precinct. Had two votes in each precinct been recorded for Hillary Clinton instead of Donald Trump, she would uh, be looking to become the president-elect now in in those three states. Um, But with all of that, remember, we were told by the administration, by the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission that oversees, Voting systems in this country that does the certification of voting systems, the testing to, to, you know, to see if they're accurate in theory, to see if they're secure. We know they don't because they have certified system after system across the the country that have later been found to be very easily hackable. And yet they were telling us there's nothing to worry about. These elections weren't hacked. They're telling us now the elections were not hacked or manipulated by insiders. Um, Of course, we can't know unless we actually count the ballots, but we don't. We just put them through these computer systems that are either count them correctly or not. We have to sort of take the word of the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission. Well, here's a funny story that broke late on Friday. The U.S. agency, this comes from Reuters, the U.S. agency charged with ensuring that voting machines meet security standards was itself penetrated by a hacker after the November elections, according to a security firm working with law enforcement on the matter. The security firm called Recorded Future was monitoring underground electronic markets where hackers buy and sell wares and discovered someone offering logon credentials. For access to computers at the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission. Posing as a potential buyer, the researchers engaged in a conversation with the hacker, uh, said the vice president of intelligence at the company and the director of advanced collections there. Uh, eventually, they discovered that the Russian speaking hacker had obtained the credentials of more than 100 people at the Election Commission after exploiting a common database vulnerability. So remember that. Put a pin in that Russian speaker for a second. Um, so the the, the hacker a, exploited a, a common vulnerability with databases that is easily patched, but it was not patched and fixed at the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission, the EAC. So people were able to get the logons of more than 100 people who work at that commission. And the hacker was then trying to sell the information about the vulnerability on uh, on the EAC website to apparently to a Middle Eastern government for several thousand dollars, but the researchers had a law, alerted law enforcement, and uh, apparently now the hole has finally been patched. The EAC said in a statement that it had become aware of quote a potential intrusion, and was quote working with federal law enforcement agencies to investigate the potential breach and its effects. The FBI is said to be looking at uh, at this matter as an ongoing criminal investigation. And Reuters notes the Election Commission certifies voting systems and develops standards for technical guidelines and best practices for election officials across the country. The researchers Said the hacker had uh, his business model apparently was for scanning ways to break into all manners of businesses and then moving quickly to sell that access rather than stealing the data himself, at least according to uh, this group recorded future. They said, we don't think he actually works for any government. Barsayev said uh, that was one of the uh, uh, the folks at this company. So. They note that he's a Russian speaker, but that they they think he does not actually work for the government. So that's why I wanted to connect those two dots, since they pointed out that he was a Russian speaker, but they don't believe right now he works for the Russian government, because there's been a lot of loose reporting on... ...on all of that, so I want to be quite clear. Uh, In the case of the Election Commission, Reuters goes on to say the hacker had used these methods, uh, including SQL injection, which is this uh, way to hack the databases, um, and was able to obtain a list of usernames and passwords at the EAC. The hacker gained access to non-public reports on flaws in voting machines... And according to uh, Matt Blaze, who's an electronic voting expert and professor at University of Pennsylvania, in theory, they could have used that knowledge of those flaws to attack specific machines in our elections. But don't worry, that same uh, group, that same agency, the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission, has said, we have nothing to worry about, there were no hacks, other than apparently the one they just found out about, of their own system. But other than that, don't be worried. Oh, okay. you might still be worried. I know I still am. I always am. I'm always trying to oversee our election results. And I'm going to be joined next by uh, two women who are also trying to oversee our election results. Documentary filmmaker Lulu Freisdat and longtime election integrity advocate Emily Levy both join us next, both back from Wisconsin trying to oversee what happened last week in the recount up there. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Don't touch that dial. (laughs)
2: And thanks.
1: Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Uh, y- you may have heard that there was little change to the final vote totals in Wisconsin last week, the only state to have had a We'll call it a recount. The only one to have had a statewide recount after Green Party candidate Jill Stein filed for uh, statewide recounts in Wisconsin, in Michigan and in Pennsylvania. Full counts were blocked, however, by lawsuits that were brought by uh, Trump supporters in Michigan and Pennsylvania. And in Wisconsin, though a federal judge allowed the uh, statewide count to go forward, And that federal judge said that hand counts were the gold standard. She also said that uh, a change to state law by Republicans last year allowed counties to decide whether they wished to count those uh, ballots in this so-called recount by hand or by the very same machines, computers, optical scanners, the same ones that counted the ballots either correctly or incorrectly in the first place. Now, since uh, since the counting completed in Wisconsin, election integrity folks have been combing through the numbers uh, from from those partial uh, hand counts, partial machine counts in Wisconsin, where the biggest counties, some of the biggest counties in any event used computers to do the recount. Election integrity folks have been combing through the numbers, trying to discern, for example, how many votes were actually Mistallied in the original election day count over the weekend, for example, election fraud investigator Richard Hayes Phillips, who's been on this show recently, shared with me some of the numbers that he's found in places like Marinette County, Wisconsin, where he says that the uh, recount done by hand in that county discovered a minimum of three hundred and thirty four miscounted votes in that county, that out of some 20,000 cast there, the number of missed tallies could actually be higher than 334, because, for example, if on election night uh, a, a, a ballot the a vote for Donald Trump was registered by the machines as an undervote, as no vote at all, uh, and a different ballot that was an undervote was registered for Donald Trump, if that all was discovered In the hand count, that would be two mistallied votes, but it would show up in the results as uh, zero. They'd balance each other out. So it's hard to know exactly how many mistallies there are. We know, according to uh, Richard Hayes Phillips, in any event, that there were at least some 334 miscounted votes in that one county alone. Now, it all raises the question of whether optical scanners are correctly tallying our votes, whether on election night or in uh, or in a recount in uh, in some of the places that they had them across the state in Wisconsin. During the so-called recount observers where they were counting with machines, uh, some of those observers tried to make sure that the machines were tallying accurately, but it was not always easy in Racine County. Uh, Wisconsin, for example, observers devised a scheme to try and track what the machine was counting and what it was not counting. Documentary filmmaker Lulu Freisdat shared a short clip over the weekend of of one of the problems that occurred in Racine. Uh, she posted the video to alternate.org. dot uh, But the, the video sh- shows where county officials um, had ordered a machine count instead of a hand count. And as the observers were trying to track the the, the ballots as they were going through the machines, uh, they were coming up with different numbers, different results with their hand count method than were coming through, uh, through the optical scan machines. The observers uh, saw one scanner misreading 15 ballots in the village of Elmwood Park. Uh, in Ward 1, a ward that had 310 votes total. That's an error rate of 5% in a state where Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton by just 22,000 votes or less than 1% of the vote. Here's uh, some of that video from Lulu Frysdad.
2: My name is Liz Whitlock and I live in Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. In Racine County, they were only going to do a machine count. And we really wanted a hand count. We decided to do our own hand count using these uh, clickers. This is a click counter. You click it and the numbers go up. You can hand count ballots like this as they're going through an optical scanner. What we were doing was we had three observers on one uh, scanner machine. And one would click for Clinton, one would click for Trump, and the other one would click the under votes and the under votes are when the ballot is not marked. We can see the ballots very clearly. Our numbers were quite a bit off from the scanner. In that batch, there were 18 that were under votes on the optical scan tape and we knew that 15 of those were actually for candidates. So we brought this up immediately to the county clerk, and said, you know, we think this machine did not count these ballots correctly. And we're just wondering if we could have somebody just hand count this one small ward. It was only over 300 ballots. It wouldn't take very long. They absolutely refused to do that.
1: That was Liz Whitlock, an observer in Racine County, Wisconsin, trying to make sure that the machines were actually recounting these ballots correctly. Joining us now to discuss uh, this uh, is uh, Lulu friesdat She is the documentary filmmaker uh, who put together that piece of film, and we'll have maybe a little bit more of that in a second. Uh, Lulu is an, uh, an Edward R. Murrow award-winning journalist and documentary filmmaker. She received a Best Documentary Award for her first feature-length documentary called Hollerback, Not Voting, in an American town, a film that explores systemic issues in our elections that discourage voter participation. And I should note that I happen to af- appear in that uh, in that documentary film, but it is excellent anyway. Lulu Friesdat, welcome to the broadcast. It's great
0: to be with you, Brad.
1: Really gl- glad to have you here and appreciate the work you did in Wisconsin and, of course, in your uh, documentary Hollerback. Uh, I want to talk to you about all of the above in a second. But first, also joining us today is longtime election integrity advocate from California and the California Election Protection Coalition. She's now a spokesperson for recountnow.org, a group of election integrity advocates dedicated to supporting hand counts of the 2016 presidential race as filed by Green Party candidate Jill Stein uh, and filed by others uh, other than uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Uh, counts, uh, 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 lawsuits for hand counts were also filed this year in Florida and Nevada. Yes, Nevada, where Hillary Clinton was said to have been the winner. We'll talk about that in a moment. Emily, Emily Levy, welcome back to the broadcast.
3: Hi, Brad. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having
1: me. Glad to have both of you guys here. And I want to talk about that news in Nevada in a minute with you, Emily. But I know you were both in Wisconsin. Uh, so let me start with uh, Lulu here. Uh, did you see uh, Liz Whitlock, which you uh, captured in your documentary, uh, and others trying to track votes? Was this uh, done across a lot of the precincts that you were uh, there to observe, Lulu?
0: No, I think it was a little unique what Liz and her team were doing. Liz is really very conscientious, and I, I think really, uh, I, I really respect her and her tenacity. You could see in the clip, uh, which is playing, as you said, at alternet.org, and if you want to see the whole thing, you can go there and uh, Google my name, in the cl- and um, you'll, you'll find the other pieces I've done also. She was just determined that they would, you know, to try to find some way to measure the accuracy of these machines. Whereas, like, I filmed also in Brown County, and there, the, there was, um, they did hand count three of the cities, but after that, the um, people counting the ballots were very comfortable just having the machines uh, count all the rest of them, even though the machine there, they brought in this really fast ES&S uh, DS 850, which counts the ballots at Eighteen thousand ballots per hour, three hundred ballots per minute. I mean, and they're clearly not counting all the ballots with those machines because even in that one county, they had their numbers were adjusted from the small number that they did by hand. So I, I think what we were seeing over and over again was that when there were comparisons between the hand counts and the machine counts, you could see that the counts, are, the machine counts are not accurate. But Liz and her team and Racine were the only people that I saw that really kind of tried to devise a system to verify it. And so when they when they did, it was really striking how, as you said in your intro, how different the numbers were. We think of these as very small numbers because, you know, she's she's doing a small sample there, mm-hmm. 300 votes, one ward. And so they come up with a 15-vote um, difference, And it seems like a small number, but when you do the math, you realize that if that was happening across the state, Mm -hmm. you're talking about 140,000 vote difference in Mm. a state that Trump won by 22,000. So she was very um, tenacious, and uh, I, I really respect her, and I encourage other people to try to find ways to get in there and work with their county clerks and really find out whether or not these machines are are doing what they're supposed to be doing.
1: Well, there's a question of whether the county clerk, at least in this case, uh, actually wanted to work with Liz Woodlock. Uh, The the, uh, second part of the the, the, uh, clip, the video you put together, Lulu, um, reveals a a confrontation between them. She was trying to, uh, the observer, Liz Woodlock, was trying to at least uh, if if not get a uh, a hand count of those 300 ballots in question was trying to at least file a challenge, uh, and I believe this is the county clerk Joan Rennert, uh, in Racine who was just having none of it. Let me play a little bit of the uh, of these two ladies going back and forth about this uh, move to hand count those questionable ballots.
2: we are accepting your objection. I know. What do you want us to do with it? You already told me you won't do a hand count of even one small ward. Correct. That so is a decision I'm, that the Board of Canvas has now made right. twice. So I, I had to you know file so an objection. Liz so Whitlock. Okay. And are you representing a party of yes. three observers Click counted votes? The Clintons and Trump counters clicked considerable more votes than the scanner counted. I have no idea what they're saying except that they're requesting a hand count. Do you want to ask me what you don't? No. Understand? Is this the purpose of a hand count? Yes or no? Yes. The purpose of the hand count is to get to the Still. truth. Yes. Yes. The purpose of this is a hand count of how much. It's only 300, 300, 300. I don't care. I don't care if it's five. I am not going to do a hand count for anybody. I am just stunned at how inaccurate the whole thing is. Like, say you had um, 20 more ballots than voters, they spread out the ballots on a table and they pull 20 ballots randomly to get rid of. That ballot they're pulling could be mine. You have been disrupted in this office more than one time today. It's so important for every person's vote to count. This is your warning. One more time. And you are out of here and not going to come back in here.
1: Wow uh that's what happens when you try to observe uh, a account and have accountability I guess lulu it's 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 quite disturbing in truth
0: it is it, it is Brad it's concerning there the the antagonism that many of the clerks around the country have to actually verifying the count is that is really astonishing to me and the more that I look into it and you know film these counts and meet mm-hmm. with people. They really seem to come down into kind of like two pretty distinct camps. You have people like Virginia Martin in Columbia County, New York, who is someone of tremendous integrity and and really she's the she's the uh, election
1: gone. she's the election director. Just to let people know, she's the election director in uh, Columbia County, the co-election director. They have Republicans and Democratic right. co-election directors in Columbia County, New York. Yeah, go ahead.
0: And they do a hand count there. Uh, they do usually 100% hand count audit after the optical scan machines run the ballots. And they really go to, to every length to include the community. They hire people from the community to do the hand counts. She makes the whole process open. It's transparent. Anyone can come in and watch and ask questions, can get trained. If they want to participate in some way, she tries to make sure that there's a job, you mm-hmm. know, for people who are interested. She There's real sense of transparency and inclusion and other i've seen other commissioners like that people like freddie oakley do you remember who you see sure. in yolo county california yeah. what a wonderful wonderful commissioner really a sense of, of of welcoming and inclusion to the community in the process which is what we need what you've always said we need transparency that's and oversight um and then you have people on the other end of it and i think it's joan Rennert who was there, and she's actually just on the staff, but the uh, actual official county clerk there mm-hmm. in Racine is Wendy Christensen, who who is also in that clip a little earlier, and both of them were very antagonistic to to Liz, and you can just see the hostility. You can hear the hostility in their voice, even though what she's asking for is really very straightforward, and I think that's why I just, I didn't need any commentary. All I needed to do was just put Liz there, you can see Liz, you can hear in her voice, you can see in her demeanor that she's not disruptive, that she's not antagonistic, that she's just a a very polite, concerned citizen. You know, when they say, like, you have been disruptive, and you can see Liz, her demeanor is is anything but disruptive. So you can really see the hostility and the defensiveness there. And really, I think across the country, these are one of the main offices that I think we need to be paying attention to now, as much as we look at the presidential races and the Senate races and the congressional races, we need to look at who are our county clerks, who are our commissioners, who are controlling these counts. And if they are not setting up a practice of transparency and inclusion in the community, if they are not trying to do hand counts and looking for accuracy, then I think we need to look to replace them. And I really... that's something that people can do in their communities they can get organized and try to you know get involved in
1: that. And there are different ways. A lot of times these are elected officials. Other times they're appointed officials. Uh, I want to turn to Emily for a second, but I want to be uh, uh, clear on this one point. Uh, In that video where they're talking about pulling 20 ballots, as I understand the law in Wisconsin, if it turns out that there are more ballots there than are signed in to the poll books when they do a recount, if there's 20 more ballots than people signed in, they just randomly pull out 20 ballots uh, and, and don't include them in the, uh, in the hand count, as I understand it. Uh, Emily Levy, uh, let me ask you, you were also in Wisconsin. Uh, did you see similar concerns, that, uh, that as, as Lulu described, uh, in, in your observation in, in Madison and elsewhere?
3: Well, what I was doing when I was in Madison was actually working on a project that was not on the ground in election offices uh, where mm-hmm. Lulu was, but was coordinating the the reading by volunteers of the records taken in counties all over the state of their recount practices. So what you, you talked about earlier that, that we were looking at how many votes were mistallied, and that's actually only one of the things we were looking at. We were also looking at Breaks in chain of custody of uh, the ballots and other election materials. We were looking at places that laws and regulations had been broken. We were looking at places where things smelled fishy. And so the way it works in Wisconsin is that when there's a recount in each county where the re- where the recount happens, um, records are supposed to be taken of incidents that happen during the recount. So it might be a ballot that was originally thought to be an undervote was found to be mm-hmm. a, a readable vote or um this many ballots weren't found that were supposed to be here or um there were more ba- ballots than there were supposed to be or that sort of thing. All of those things are recorded in the minutes, which are the official record of the recount. Um, and those minutes are supposed to be delivered to the candidates that filed for the recount in this case Jill Stein mm-hmm. and to the Wisconsin Elections Commission. Um, so, and those are posted online. So we were looking at the the Minutes mm-hmm. and looking through them for evidence of problems. And that's the project that I was coordinating there. And actually, as of last night, which is the last time I heard, the Minutes had not even been posted yet for counties representing over half of the votes in the state, even though it's been a week since the recount was certified. So as far as we know, the recount was certified by the state before the state actually heard from the counties what happened at the recount.
1: Which is something that we saw back in 2011, the last time they did a statewide uh, uh, r- r- hand count. In that case, it was all hand counts before they changed the law. Back in 2011, a Supreme Court uh, election where you had ballots showing up in torn ballot bags and so forth. Uh, and and at that time, you had all of these challenges to these torn ballot bags and so forth, similar to what we heard in Lulu's film there from Liz Whitlock. Uh, she was making a challenge, and the county clerk says, Okay, it's noted in the minute. Your challenge is noted. But then the state officials go ahead and certify the recount results anyway, no matter what is in those minutes, no matter the challenges that actually take place on the ground, all of which sort of underscores my point that I've been trying to make for so long, which is that, you know, post-election counts don't work. you got to get it right on election night. Uh, Do you find, Emily, that... uh, (laughs) I mean, you've got all of these challenges. Will they ever be reviewed by the Wisconsin Election Commission? Is there any legal recourse that you know of? I mean, in 2011, those challenges just disappeared into the ether, despite there being thousands of them.
3: Yeah, and I'm not an attorney, and I, so I don't know if there's legal recourse. What I do know is that there are a lot of really um, angry, understandably angry voters in Wisconsin who want the laws changed. Uh, the, the makeup of the Wisconsin state legislature doesn't make that look terribly likely at the moment, but there are people and groups there working for that and they will continue to do that. I think one of the things that's really important to mention is that these recounts that we're talking about are all recounts of the presidential race, or mm-hmm. partial recounts of the presidential race, because that's what was filed for by Jill Stein and in, in nevada by rocky de la fuente and we'll talk about that i think in a minute But just because that's the only race we're looking at and we're only looking at it in a few places doesn't mean that all the other elections were fine so the problems that we're seeing with elections in other words, don't end with the presidential election in the votes that are in that states that are being recounted. but we really need to look at elections across the board for all races in all states
1: and let me uh yeah and let me take a quick break here uh, and come back with both Lulu Friesdat and uh, friesdat. Sorry, Lulu, I knew I'd screw it up and uh, and Emily Levy, I want to talk about what happened in Nevada and then get thoughts from both of you. On, uh, on, on on what the hell we can do to make this better, because it seems like uh, I talk to you guys every two years, every four years, when the same problems happen over and over again. So stand by, both of you, a quick break, and we'll be back with more broadcast right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Please stop by bradblog.com/donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't gonna save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com/donate and thank you. Viva! North day. Viva Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com, speaking with documentary filmmaker Lulu Freisdat uh, and a longtime election integrity advocate, Emily Levy, both of them back recently from Wisconsin, where they were overseeing or attempting at least uh, to oversee and support the statewide, I hate the word, but statewide recount. Uh, in Wisconsin, filed by Green Party candidate Jill Stein. And I hate the word recount, because in Wisconsin, almost all of the ballots were not counted in the first place. They were just thrown through optical scanners. Uh, So I hate calling them recounts, uh, and especially now in the state where they've changed the law such that they don't even have to count the ballots by hand, even in a recount. They can just run them through computers. So uh, questions about... Yeah. Brad. yeah. Go so, ahead.
0: Um
3: some of the counties in Wisconsin use touchscreen machines also direct record electronic or DRE machines.
1: Just to make so just, just to, even, Yeah, just to make, things, just to make worse. things worse. Yeah, that's Emily Levy. Those can't be really Count in in any meaningful way They're 100% unverifiable So speaking, Emily Levy, Levy of 100% unverifiable uh, A a Recount, again in quotes, was actually Filed in the state of Nevada By a presidential candidate Rocky De La Fuente An independent candidate Now Nevada uh, ended up going to Hillary Clinton by uh, About 2%, I think about uh, 25,000 votes But he filed for a A recount, even though they use those unverifiable touchscreens across most of the state, what was he uh, concerned about, Emily? And then we'll talk about what you were concerned about and what recountnow.org put out a press release about in Nevada over the weekend.
2: So
3: what he was concerned about is very similar to what Jill Stein was concerned about in filing recounts in the three states where she filed, which was whether... the election count was fair and accurate given that it's not transparent Mm -hmm. and so neither one of them thought that a recount would result in them winning the races but they were trying to shed light on the problems in the election system
1: and uh they shed some light at least i i guess in uh the way the 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 recount law works in nevada uh de la fuente was able to ask for precincts uh counts in how many precincts was was he allowed to do
3: he was required, if he was filing for a recount, mm-hmm. to have at least 5% of the, re- of the precincts in the state recounted, which is 93 precincts. And actually, an error was made, and the same precinct was listed twice, so there were only 92 that were actually
1: okay. um,
3: included in the recount. And, and yeah. unlike, unlike in Wisconsin, where, as you mentioned, uh, each county decided whether to do a hand recount or a machine recount. In Nevada, the law says that a recount must be conducted by the same counting method used in the original count.
1: And don't they use 100% unverifiable <laughs> touchscreens across much of that state? Is that is that Lulu I hear laughing in the background? <laughs> oh,
0: my God. Is that what it says, Emily? That's, that's the that's, law?
1: That's, yes, yeah. That's really the
0: law. <laughs> that's, I, I, mean, I think we just have to take a moment to, to laugh at these laws. That Because, Brad, that... A part of the clip that you um, played also mm-hmm. about how in, in Wisconsin, if they have more ballots than voters, they just randomly pull right. like 20 ballots to make it match. I, I checked with someone from Wisconsin Election Integrity, and they told me that is the code. That is the law that is prescribed. Yeah. And the reason why they have a law like that is because there's so many times that this happens. When they have more voters than they have ballots. Yep. So I just I think we have to the more ballots than, than voters.
1: Was, I mean, uh, yeah, what, what did I say? More, yeah, more ballots than voters. Uh, well, but hang on, let me voters, yeah. let, let me, Lulu, before I uh, get the, your, the rest of your thoughts on that, I want to because something actually happened uh, that was troubling, at least to me, in uh, in Clark County, Nevada, during this count. So, Emily, uh, very quickly, how do they? What is there to count when they're talking about a a touchscreen voting system? What are they even counting? And then tell me about the problem that uh, you ran into that was uh, somewhat alarming in Clark County.
3: So there is a combination election system there. The early voting that happens at early voting centers and the election day voting at precincts happens on screen machines, DREs, mm-hmm. um, direct-record electronic machines. The absentee votes are cast on paper and counted by optical scanners. So those, so the, those are the kinds of votes mm-hmm. that they have to deal with. Um, Recount now sent several observers to observe in Clark County, which is where Las Vegas is, and 84 of the 92 precincts that. Were included in this so-called recount. Were in that county, and actually, sixty-eight percent of the state's entire vote vote total was cast in Clark County.
1: Right. So, Vegas, by far, the largest yeah.
3: county in the state. Yeah. Um, and they got there. Our volunteers weren't able to get there until the second day of the recount, and they talked to an observer from the De La Fuente campaign who had been there on the first day, and told them that he was. And I had actually spoken with him during the first the first day too and mm-hmm. given him a little bit of more information so he could understand what he was seeing. He had a very hard time understanding and following what he was seeing because he was kept out of the room where the recount was occurred occurring and only allowed to watch it through mm. a glass window. And the same thing happened on the second day. So they weren't really allowed meaningful observation of the recount in the first place. Yeah. So after a while... Um, partly because they couldn't really see anything. They thought it would be more useful to talk to Joe Gloria, who's the county election official there. And they had a conversation with him in which he happened to mention that this was actually the third time the votes were being counted. And they questioned him about that, and he said, that, paraphrasing here, that they had been count- the votes had been counted on election night, that there was then a rehearsal, For the recount that was held, I believe, during the weekend before the recount. And then there was the
1: recount itself. A a rehearsal for the recount. I I believe we have part of this clip uh, because this was actually recorded. uh, This is Joe Gloria, county clerk of uh, Clark County, Nevada, talking to uh, someone trying to figure out and saying, Wait a minute, you counted these previously in secret? Okay. The law requires that we recount these ballots exactly the way we did to get them into the system the first time.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is the second, or you're saying the third time the it's i the, the third. The you third. would never want to come into a recount without running it through to make sure. And so the, so the is there a way that you check that the result of... When they it, it's the same. They get the same answer each time when
1: they did it the first time. You're asking me what my results were when we practiced? I can't tell you that.
3: No, I mean...
1: mean. Okay, so it was a little hard to hear that clip, but he's saying they did a practice recount using the ballots uh, before anybody got there? that
3: last part was you're asking me what the results were when we practiced? I can't tell you that.
1: And... T- two election officials were, were convicted to the maximum in uh, in prison in Ohio when the Green Party uh, tried to do a recount in, in Ohio, a presidential recount back in 2004, because they secretly pre-counted the ballots that were supposed to be randomly pre-counted. In that case, it was like 3%, uh, you know, once the public was there. Is that what you're suggesting that uh, County Clerk Joe Gloria did here, Emily Levy, that he so illegally? We don't,
3: we don't know if the recount was fixed during that rehearsal. What we know is that as far as we can tell, and again, I'm not an attorney, but mm-hmm. we have talked to attorneys who have looked at Nevada recount law and say that it clearly says that it's a violation of the law to handle the ballots between election between mm-hmm. the original count on election night and the recount and he has clearly admitted to doing that. So um you know I don't know if the laws are the same as uh, the laws in Ohio where yeah. two workers were each convicted of a felony of negligent misconduct of an election and that election employee but certainly it seems that laws have been broken here. He said basically you know there are all these cameras here on Monday yeah. and we, and you guys were going to be here and we just we needed to make sure that everything was going to come out right.
1: Uh, uh, Lulu, uh, eight, I think it was at least eight years ago, eight or ten years ago, I talked to you for your film uh, uh, Hollerback, Not Voting in an American Town. And I think you were just starting uh, to understand the, the concerns, the issues when it comes to election integrity and the difficulty of overseeing our, our results um, does any of this that you have seen in the ensuing 10 years and when you're on the ground in Wisconsin, uh, you know, the idea of a, of a recount in theory is to make everyone feel better about the results that we had it right in the first place. Do you walk away uh, from Wisconsin? feeling like, uh, yeah, and hearing about what happened in Nevada and so forth, do you do you walk away uh, feeling that you have more confidence or less confidence that our, that our votes were actually tallied accurately as per voter intent?
0: It actually makes me a little sick to my stomach, Brad. I, I mean, really, just hearing Emily describe that made me a little bit nauseous. There is really no functioning Democratic process in our country right now. And Jimmy Carter actually has come out and said that. He has a quote where he said, There is no democracy in the U.S. right now. Our elections just aren't working. And one of the reasons is that they are being administered by partisan officials. And that is just a core problem that we have not addressed. We do not have neutral administration of our elections. And therefore, our elections are not fair. They are just an exercise in partisanship. And if you look at other democracies around the world, they have non-partisan administration for their elections. Well, um, I interviewed some in the film I interviewed yeah. somebody from American University who spoke to me about that and I, I it's just I mean that's just like step one is that we we have to stop ha- if you make the rules but then the rules are enforced by partisan officials who have an agenda or people who are trying to cover their ass you know the main one of the main main protocols in election recounts is TYA protect your ass. So it's, it's just it's clearly
1: not working. I would I would argue in response to that, Lulu, that um, there is no such thing as a nonpartisan official, at least when it comes to elections, that people are always going to be suspect of election officials. And they should be suspect of them, uh, even the good ones. And the good ones will tell you that, you know, don't trust me. You should be able to oversee it. So it comes back to, in my mind, at least to transparency. You should be able to have the worst, most partisan election official in the world running an election but if the people are allowed to watch the process every step of the way then it makes it real hard for that you know terrible partisan election official to to, to get away with it
0: you know well. I don't know, I, I mean, you can, you can get a lot closer to nonpartisan than we have now. You can also get transpartisan. You can, I mean, that's one thing they have, at least in New York, is that the commissioners, there's two, there's a democratic and a representative commissioner, and they both have to sign off on things, and when they lock up the ballots, they're locked up in a room that they both have to have the key in order mm-hmm. to unlock it. I mean, that's another thing in Wisconsin, in Racine County, the chain of custody was horrendous. There were just ballots all over the place and they're mm. just putting them into these plastic bags. But, I mean, it's like a Ziploc bag. You can unzip it in a minute. So, I mean, there's just problems at every step of the way and um, we, we really need to, to rethink things from the ground up, I think.
1: Uh, Emily, uh, your your thoughts on and and I think what I was trying to say uh, to Lulu there was that even if you have the the best election official, there's always going to be distrust of that official by voters. You're always going to think, oh well, they say they're nonpartisan, but they really aren't. And that's what I'm saying. And and there is something to that. And to to get confidence, I believe people have to be able to oversee the entire process no matter what anybody says about their uh, partisan uh, feelings on this so what what do you take away from your observations in wisconsin and nevada and after all of these years uh, emily are, are we heading in the right direction or the wrong direction at this point
3: i don't see us moving very far at all you know i think we're heading in the right direction in that this year with this election, more people are aware of the problems with the election than we've ever seen before. And some of that has to do with high-profile stories. Some of it has to do with Donald Trump saying the election is rigged in one of the debates, even though what he meant by it isn't the same thing that that we mean when we talk Mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. Um, And also because we have social media as a way of getting the word out, as opposed to having to depend on the mainstream media and the alternative media like we have in the past who who have not really done a very good job of getting our story out, even with this Nevada story, we sent our press release individually to two hundred or more journalists, and as far as I know, there's not been one that's picked up the story and, and gone with it
1: until this radio show today. yeah, I was going to say there, there's, to thank, there's been you one <laughs> you are sure was there? well, me, yeah, that's it uh, yeah. yeah. And and that is very sad. I agree. Uh, very quickly before we go, uh, I want to get one last thought from each of you, uh, because you know there was also trouble in the primary as well, which is run by Democrats. It's a Democratic primary. It's run by Democrats. So I'm not sure how you would get uh, you know nonpartisan officials in in that. But it underscores, I think, the 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 growing lack of confidence, whether the results are correct or not, Lulu, whether. Uh, Liz uh, Whitlock had it right or not with her little clicker. It, the the fact that people are losing confidence in elections, I, I've always felt, and I may have even said it in your movie ten years ago. Uh, I have always felt that that in and of itself is a great threat to democracy. Uh, your thoughts as we uh, as we wrap uh, at least this up today.
0: Um, I encourage anybody who's concerned about this to make. Election reform, their number one political priority, as you have, Brad. I mean, I have to congratulate you. You've been on this story, you've stuck with it, you dug your teeth in it like a pit bull, and you haven't let go. But what we need is um, something similar to the civil rights movement. We need a decades long, deep movement with broad-based support. And one thing that I have done is I have a conference call going now, and it's every Sunday from 3 to 4 p.m. We're on a two-week hiatus for the holidays, but starting again on January 8th. And I'm going to go ahead and give that number. It's 712 The access code is five six eight. You can find that information on my website at HollerbackFilm.com. And this is an ongoing conversation where people who are interested in solving these problems come together. People from all over the country have been talking about, do we need to train an entire generation of election attorneys? Like, do we need a legal team that goes around the country and is really skilled at handling these cases? Do we need to really mount um, better candidates for county clerks? Do we need to make public service announcements to inform people about this? Do we need a platform of, you know, hand counted paper ballots and audits that we can implement in city councils and state legislatures across the country? And where is the network of people going to come from that's gonna do all this work? This is stuff that has to be done. You know, week after week, it's like being in the trenches and dealing with these issues. We all know about them now, but it's moving forward and finding solutions together collectively that people can agree on, people who tend to argue with each other and not agree, (laughs) people can try to find solutions. Uh, so that's why I have been having these conference calls. They're called the Honest Elections Conference Calls, and I do encourage people, anybody who wants to work cooperatively, to come on the call and try to participate in that. And that is what I'm doing, just to try to move the issue forward.
1: Emily, I'm Emily Levy. I'm running really late. Uh, just a closing uh, word from you there.
0: I agree that everyone
3: should get involved. I don't know what is scarier: people losing faith in the elections, or people having faith in an election system that doesn't deserve it. Mm.
1: Well said. Uh, Lulu Friesdat, get more information on her, her film, and her work, her important work at Hollerback Film. Dot com. You can also uh, find her on the Twitters at Lulu Fries, like French fries, DAT, D A T. Uh, Emily Levy, you can get more information on her important work at recountnow.org. And you can follow them on the Twitters and the Facebooks at Recount Now. Lulu fries, that, Emily Levy, thank you so much for joining me today and for uh, the fight that you can continue to carry out all across the country. Thanks, guys. Okay, yeah, I know we got to get out. uh, But I want to make one point here. What what Lulu said about making this your number one issue. You know, this is why I have covered this issue so closely. I've said for years that if you can't have elections in which you can have confidence in which in which you can throw the bums out Once you identify who the bums are, then little else ultimately matters. And I don't mean to put this above all of the other issues that are just so important in our country, in our in our government, et cetera. But it's all based on democracy. And if that is gone, if people lose confidence in the results, as has clearly happened and for good reason, uh, you know, over these certainly over this past year in this election, but I would argue over the past uh, 10 or 20 years, if that happens, then what? What do you got? What happens next? It's kind of chilling to think about, and so yeah, it, it is difficult uh, trying to keep your eyes on the track conditions that these horses are running on. Everyone else is paying attention only to the horse race, and. Then everything else. Uh, but I would argue the track conditions continue to be important, no matter how close we have to look, no matter how long it takes to figure out what happened. We will keep doing it here on the broadcast, along with everything else. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, this stuff matters, particularly in a race this close, as razor thin close as this was, uh, at least in regard to the res- results in, in in those three states of Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania that that now appear to have given the presidency to Donald J. Trump, at least if today's Electoral College vote is approved and certified as expected uh, by the U.S. Congress on January 6th. Now that Trump has received the requisite 270 Electoral College votes in voting in, on Monday across the country. All right. I know. Got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest today, Lulu friesdat. Get more information at hollerbackfilm.com and Emily Levy. Get more information at recountnow.org. You can drop me email, I'm Bradcast at Bradblog.com, and I'm on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the BradBlog. Please share. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.